Hello and welcome to another episode of The Only Playbook. I am Sweetcar. I got Chobit. I got Shashot. Shashot's finally back. He's no longer on PTO. His paid date, paid time is over officially. Um, Worst only paid playbook. time ever. Yeah, I was just talking about that last podcast. I was like, man, this has got to be one of the first times Shashot has PTO. Um, but that's phenomenal. Um, glad you're back. We needed your knowledge. We took we took a lot of our credibility down the drain talking about medical stuff last week, but uh, it, it's all good. I just told everybody that you were texting us all the uh, information that <laughs> we were recording. It was good. It was yeah. good. I I, lis- I watched. I listened to like all the pertinent areas besides the game part, uh, the beginning and the end, and uh, you guys hit it dead on. So we're doing nice. good out here. Glad all to right. Hear that. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, this week is a special episode. Usually every year there are four weeks to preseason, but because of the three-week preseason segment, or I guess how it's set up this year, we have almost an entire week or eight to 10 days before football actually begins. What that usually means is this is the weekend where a lot of teams do their fantasy football drafts. So a lot of leagues. So us being one of the leagues, we have a draft on Sunday. Again, we were just talking before the recording that you have all your drafts here this weekend or this upcoming week, as do I. So again, I thought it'd be cool to just do a fantasy football episode where we each give our three tips to winning your fantasy football league or how to excel the best in your fantasy football league this year. And we each have one player that we have designated as a 2022 fantasy football league winner. So uh, without further ado, again, I'm Suikara Shovich Shashot. We're the only playbook. Thank you guys for all the support. Let's jump right into it. Guys, I'll kick things off with my first tip here. My first tip, this is one that I see a lot, and this is one that, you know, if this would ever listen to the podcast, he'd know that I'm calling him out right now. this is a big proponent of like, oh my God, and like three three picks into the draft, he's like, I just realized all three of my guys have the same bye week, fuck, and I'm just like, dude, it does not matter. So this is one thing that really is one of my pet peeves where people are like, oh no, bye weeks matter, make sure you don't draft players who have the same bye week, blah, 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 blah. No, I think that's absolutely bullshit. I know that you know, there are times where you have two players that you're going to draft and they both, they both may have different bye weeks and one can, you know, intertwine with all your other players and be like, you know, and replicate the same bye week versus one that does not. So if they're similar, absolutely. If you want to make a decision based on that, but obviously always take the best player that's there. So don't let bye weeks cloud your judgment to pass up on a player. I think that's absolutely stupid. It's a long season. You can lose five to six games and still make the playoffs. So like bye week, absolutely irrelevant in my opinion. So do not let bye weeks be the deciding factor unless you're between two guys who are the exact same in your opinion in terms of ranking. And in that situation, the bye week can work in your favor. So aside from that, I think bye weeks are relevant. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with that completely. But there is a line, though. I would say there's a line. If there's three players on bye week, I'm still not stressing because, you know, if you're a good fantasy owner, you'll have enough backup on your bench to kind of fill in those spots. But after three, when we get to four, you know, um, unless it's a completely polarizing player that you're like, I must have this player, even if it means I have four bye weeks in a row uh, or in the same week, um, that's different. But, you know, if there's another player of the same caliber that has a different bye week, four is where um, I have kind of gathered uh, information over time that four is almost like saying there's a better chance uh, I just take an L this week than to kind of compete because, Roster space wise in ESPN, there's usually like, you know, five to seven spots. And when you have four players gone, it's really hard to fill in all four of those spots without dropping somebody. Um, So I think up to three, I think, you know, you don't even bat an eye. You don't, you don't care. You simply don't care. And like Sweetheart said, you just get the best player available. Yeah. And I I I agree. the, The other, the other side of that is obviously, again, 
I can't remember a time where anybody went undefeated in a fantasy football league. Like, have we had in our league history a, a season where somebody no. didn't lose a single game? No, right? Nope. So let's say you do draft four. Let's say you said, like, it's a polarizing player versus maybe not so polarizing in your eyes, but, you know, s- similar. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I can't remember what year it was. Maybe I did have four or five, but again, assuming that loss is okay, because again, we're expected to lose games in, in fantasy football. I don't think anybody's going to go undefeated, but again, knowing that the long-term outlook of your team is going to be substantially better. If you, you know, draft that guy that has the fourth or fifth buy on your team in the same consecutive week, again, one loss, isn't going to be the end all be all, like you said, but you're right. I like that point where if you do have five people on buy, like you need to have five positions on your bench that are going to replicate or replace exactly those positions. Right. So that's where it gets a little bit sticky. And you may, like you said, have to drop a player that you don't want to, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be really, really hard pressed to have like five guys with the same buy. Like that'd be a very, very crazy coincidence, but yeah, at the end of the day, don't draft based on just buys. I think that's stupid. Um, and also don't forget, there is a strategy where people just choose to have everybody on by in the same week. And they're yeah. like, oh, but guess what? I'll just have to worry about one week. Uh, no, sir. There are something called injuries that happen all the freaking time. Nobody's safe except for last year's Ayush's team who just somehow didn't get injuries. Um, that's very rare. You're going to get injured. You're going to have to fill in players. Do not do that strategy. That is one of the worst strategies in all of fantasy football history. The next tip that I have is that you should always keep an eye for players that are slipping underneath, under the radar. So some players may not be uh, something that the, your league likes, like Keenan Allen may not be someone that they want to get. And it's, he's dropping to the fourth round and fifth round. And he's on your top of your list. And he's like, it's like, why isn't he getting drafted? He needs to be picked up, especially at the fifth. Like that's way too late for Keenan Allen uh, to go. And also just be on the lookout for some injured and suspended players this year. For example, um, Chris Godwin, he's uh, set to come back in the middle of the season and uh, DeAndre Hopkins will come back after week six, six, he's suspended as well. So you got to keep an eye out for that and that they could make or break. Like if you have a solid, um, a pretty decent team and you need just some missing pieces there, DeAndre Hopkins in the seventh and eighth round, eighth round, um, even Chris Godwin later down the line. Um, it would, would is a good pickup. So just be on the lookout for injured, suspended, and uh, don't get scared of that top list, top player up there. Yeah, I, I like the Hopkins one just because, like you said, you're drafting the best players. The league is not, the week is not, or the season's not just six weeks long, right? You could probably go 0-6, and, and yes, there's a really less likely chance that you make the playoffs, but again, you're not out of it. We've seen crazier things happen in fantasy. So again, drafting a player that is suspended for the first six weeks, you're you're parking that player on your bench, and it's almost like making a trade mid-season or adding a player mm-hmm. of high caliber from the waiver wire mid-season, but no, he's just been on your bench, and now he's, now he's healthier. Now he's not suspended. So I think that's absolutely key. Those guys, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, if he was healthy, he'd be like a, you know, first two rounds drafted player. So, um, you know, knowing that he's going to be falling down to like the seventh or eighth round or whatever, because it's six game suspension, it's going to be one of those things where one person in the league is going to have to probably pull that trigger and draft him a little bit early because, you know, multiple people are eyeing that guy. Okay. On that note, um, there are some asterisks with that theory. Don't forget for suspensions, hundred percent accurate for injuries, different story. I am a victim of the Le'Veon Bell situation. I drafted him in the second round a couple of years ago, four, three, four years ago. I was like, he's going to be back, you know, blah, blah, blah. Ended up doing some weird shit, holding out. Cause you know, like 
when it when a player is injured, it's a whole different animal. Just like Michael Thomas, I drafted him in like the fifth round last year or the year before. I forget. He ended up not even didn't even do anything. I wasted a spot there. So when it's suspensions, definitely you got to kind of be the guy to reach up a little bit higher than where people would if you want those players. Uh, but if it's an injury, I have learned from my mistakes. I am just not doing that again. Um, okay, so uh, you know it is September now. Schools are about to start. Um, however. In the fantasy football world, this is not a preschool. You do not want to draft all these rookies and just stack them up on your bench. That theory is, you know, you want to be the cool guy. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, I drafted him because I, I saw him in NC, uh, I saw I watched his games in NCAA and he was so great. And, you know, it's like an ego thing where people just like want to draft all these rookies and then just wait till they flourish. And then you pick one rookie and be like, yeah, I got him so late in the round. But I have, you know, don't be that guy. Do not be that guy. Make your choice. Find a couple ones that have high chance of success due to the situation they're in and everything. But we are not running a preschool here. You do not want to just stack your bench with rookies. You need to have, uh, again, you need to watch out for your bye weeks, um, as in get some players ready. That's the next step. That's the next step. Uh, get some, get the best player available. You know, you don't want to pass up on a, you know, like, let's say, I, don't, I can't even just make up a name right now, but you don't want to pass up on certain players because you want that excitement from that rookie and you're just hoping to be the cool guy being cool does not win fantasy championships you have to be smart and you do not want to just hoard all these rookies on your uh, roster because history says that not all rookies pan out so but you can draft players that will likely pan out by looking at their consistency in the past yeah i think it's it you're absolutely right everybody wants to be the guy and and with our famous saying in our league saying you got to be the ones like everybody's trying to be the ones and so at the end of the day trying to be the ones gets you like nothing because it's just literally all it gets you is some weird satisfaction inside right. of your mind or your heart or whatever that makes you feel cool about it but it if as if it doesn't produce the results and it honestly doesn't matter so yeah we we talk a lot about these rookies they get super hyped up before the draft and all this and they have all this like lavish and excitement about them and you're right it makes you want to be more inclined to draft them but like you said a lot of rookies just don't do well that because they're rookies whether it's they're just not getting the playing time whether it's you know they're just adjusting to the speed of the nfl whether it's our infamous quote they're just trying to learn the playbook so there's a number of reasons why rookies are not going to succeed and so yes banking on like a Brees hall you know chris olave uh, Garrett Wilson all on your bench and stashing him Drake London be like, Oh my God, I got like three receivers and a running back. You know, half those guys may not even, you know, play 10 to 12 right. games or start 10 to 12 games in the season. So um, it is really important not to let that cloud your judgment. I completely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, there's a price to all of them, right? Like later down in the ninth and later rounds, you can go and get these rookies, but you should really solidify your roster before you get to that point, before you start saying, okay, because it's a it's a big risk that you're taking, especially with a guy like Brees Hall, who is playing for the Jets, and you really haven't seen much from him as far as preseason and the team as a whole. So drafting Brees Hall is already a risk as it is, and the fact that he's a rookie just kind of elevates that a little bit more. Tip number two for me, guys, wait for your quarterback. I'm sorry that you don't, you're not going to be the guy that gets Josh Allen. If you're smart, if you draft well, you don't have Josh Allen on your on your fantasy league or on your fantasy team, unless everybody tries to be smart and then he falls, right? So obviously there's a situation, but Josh Allen is going as high as like round three and round three are still your stud running backs, your stud receivers. And there's such a tremendous drop-off at like the receiver position, at the running back position after a certain level, but there's only 10, maybe 12 teams in your league and you can get 12 quarterbacks in fantasy football that are going to be more than sufficient, right? So there's definitely tiers to that. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying, 
the value of where you're getting a guy like Josh Allen, a guy like Justin Herbert versus the value of right now where you're getting a guy like fucking Aaron Rodgers, a guy like Joe Burrow, uh, a guy like even Russell Wilson is unreal, right? So it, talent level, those guys, all those players are pretty similar, but obviously it's fantasy football. So we're, we're counting it based on like how efficient we think they're going to be at scoring from a fantasy point perspective. There's not a tremendous disparity in like week to week points. If you look at their averages over the last three, four seasons. So, you know, obviously everybody wants to have Josh Allen. Somebody is going to get Josh Allen. He's not going to go undrafted, but unless he falls to you outside of where his ADP should be, like you're getting him around later than where uh, he's typically expected to go. Do not pull the trigger on quarterbacks. I think again, a lot of times I fall, you know, I've fallen victim to this in the past. There was like two, three years in a row where I wanted to have Aaron Rodgers on my team for like no reason other than the fact that like I was used to him on my team and I was like super comfortable with the idea that I never had to worry about the quarterback position. But at the end of the day, that was the thing that worked to my own demise because I drafted him too early and I didn't play the positional value game. So again, as amazing as it is to have a guy like Josh Allen, to have a guy like Justin Herbert, if you draft well, if you draft the most efficiently you possibly can, you're probably not going to get those quarterbacks. And that actually means you did a good job. So again, do not reach for quarterbacks. I know they're super appealing. I know it's amazing to have a guy like Patrick Mahomes on your team or Josh Allen, whatever, but unless they fall to you again, there are so many quarterbacks this year and every year. In fact, there's enough quarterbacks for a 10 man league for sure. Probably even a 12 man league to justify waiting for a quarterback. Yeah. Nothing to add there. That's just straight facts. If you don't know that by now, you need to start listening to the only playbook way more often, buddy. Yeah, currently is um, so just looking at fantasy pros, he's at uh, ADP of thirty-four or the thirty-fourth best player to pick up. And, and you're, you're, yeah, and and you're missing out on um, guys like you know if you Allen Robinson, Jalen Waddle, receivers that get a lot of targets in, in on that team um, that you could that you could co- compensate for not drafting a quarterback that round, picking a receiver, and you'll I think you'll have a, a much better outcome in the in the uh in the draft yeah even if your quarterback player like the player that's slotted in your quarterback position does not feel sexy to you like it's not like one of the top three guys don't be so like enamored with the name of the player versus like the value and the points that he's going to bring on the table because Shashot, when you drafted jalen hurts he's not sexy jalen hurts was the opposite of sexy at that point right but i actually did didn't hurts even do? draft jalen hurts or you picked him i up got him second yeah. Week two. So yeah. that's another point. It's like, yeah. you don't, you could just not draft the quarterback and still be yeah. fine. There's we're, we're in a throwing league now where there's just quarterbacks all over the place. I just throw, I can name you 25 of them probably that are probably viable starters. So, you know, there's a, there's a case to be made there. Cool. All right. Uh, so next up, um, this is about the draft strategy. So a lot of people like to go, you know, maybe zero uh, running backs, uh, more receiver heavy, especially if you have like the later seven to 12 picks. If you do that, that's okay. I think that in this year's draft, getting two receivers and then getting a guy like Damian Pierce, um, running backs later down the line is going to be just fine. You don't have to get the guys like Najee Harris or any of the top running backs that you can think of. Uh, Derek Henry, you, you can you can be fine this year without getting a really good running back, in my opinion. And uh, I'll throw that to you guys. What do you guys think about that? The bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> yeah, it's bold because um, it depends. It depends, right? It depends on a lot of things. And this is one of those things where the where you have to watch the people drafting around you as well. Um, because, you know, you could do that. But what if, what? because a guy like Damian Pierce is, it's a household name already. He hasn't even had a snap in the real uh, football field, but he's a household name. People's eyes are on him. So if there's another person with the same strategy, 
there's only there's only so many Damian Pierce's out there. So if you somehow end up missing, let's say like a Spike Sweetcar has a first pick and he uses that strategy and he picks two Damian Pierce's back to back, all of a sudden those Damian Pierce's are thin. So that's a strategy. You're going to have to do some mock drafts and see where people mm-hmm. fall and then uh, go with that approach. But if you're going with that approach without doing mock drafts, then that may come to bite you big time. Also, um, the other thing I want to add is like a guy like Tyreek Hill is dropping this year, right? So he's somewhere, someone that you can get in the second round. First round, you have maybe like a Devontae Adams. Second round, you get a Tyreek Hill. And then third round, you know, if not Damian Pierce, then like maybe like a James Conner or some other running back. Nick Chubb would uh, most likely will be available in the third round as well, too. Um, so it, 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 he may be or someone like Nick Chubb, right? So that's yeah. that has a starting uh, even Javante Williams that has a starting role on that team that you could get away with not drafting a running back first or second round um, this year. Yeah. For so sure. don't, don't get me wrong. You can definitely do that. You can definitely like, I, I saw, I saw a team, like you said, have Adams and then come back and have like Stefan Diggs and then, and actually come back around and draft Mike Williams. So they had three like insane receivers as their top three players. Right. And you know, if you're adding up the points, especially in PPR, that's like 60 plus points from three guys right there. Right. So you're feeling pretty good about that. But Shashot brings up a great point. And then the other thing I'll add to that show, but is anytime you miss out on like workhorse running backs who have shown like longevity, they play all, all year and they just get the ball. Like that's just kind of what they're known for. Cause you have like your four or five guys that are like that, right? Everything else after that, as we've seen running backs are such a crapshoot. Like how many, how many years go by where like your roster should show from the team you draft to the team you have at the end of the year has like nobody except like one or two guys left, especially running backs right. because running True. backs get hurt. Running backs have such a short shelf life and running backs seem to be like the most revolving door position where in a lot of offenses, you just plug and play the next guy and they're more than sh- sufficient. Shelby, you talked about Alexander Madison all the time where it's like, Oh, Dalvin cook goes down. I have no fear. Alexander Madison is here. Right? So it's one of those things where like, Yes, you're absolutely right. There is a deep running back depth, but again, it's all about who, like Shashot said, who's around you and how they're drafting. Because just because the guy before you or after you has like three running backs, you're like, okay, you know, he's already running back heavy. I can just wait on like Damian Pierce or uh, or Rashad Penny or somebody that's later down there that's a starting running back. Uh, and but there's some people in our league and some people that have a strategy that like to park running backs right? right because they know running back is a very very necessary position okay. and receive and receivers again the depth is insane for receiver even though the talent drop off maybe somewhere in the middle um so i think you're right and also it's something that you just have to be way more situationally aware if you're deploying a you know a running back list strategy to start versus if you go running back heavy there's a lot more in the sandbox in terms of wide receivers to play with and like you can you can kind of get to pick and choose who you want because again there's a vast majority of them but again there's only what 32 starting running backs 30 32 am i am i just dumb is it 32 yeah, you're right you're yeah, right yeah. 32 starting running backs <laughs> there, but well, but there's teams may use two 64 yeah. starting receivers right so so there's absolutely six, and and so yeah. i guess you know it, it's a pick and choose strategy for sure and and i've seen yeah. in the mock drafts that you can definitely get some starting running backs later in the round but you have to be very very careful that what Shashot said does not happen to you because then all of a sudden you're going to be like starting a backup running back in one of your slots and that's never fun some notable mentions right aj dylan uh stevenson etienne backup, those backup. Are all guys. etienne's uh, a starter Eddie is a starter. Stevenson may get some pass. Uh, it looks like he's going to get pass catching roles as a, where Damian Harris, um, you know, but that's, but he's still back, right. So he's still right. seeing the field one position or one snap less than the starter. Cause the starter gets first and second down and he gets third down. 
here, hold on. Okay, so there's two things here, okay? It depends what league you're playing in. When I play with you guys, I go running backs always because I know there's people like conscious of backups, conscious of third string wide receivers. This It gets very slim. When I play in my med school league, first two years, I beat them. I won both both years because I waited for, I sent you a snap the other day where I got James Connor in the 14th round. I knew nobody else was going to get James Connor in the 14th round. So I was just perfectly clear grabbing three stud wide receivers. I drafted like Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, and Mike Evans. Right. So it, it just, you have to know who you're dealing with. You have to know each player, their tendencies. If you, if you really don't do stuff like that, you're just guessing. You don't go to an exam not prepared. This is the same thing. If you want to succeed, you got to know what you're dealing with. So going with receivers is perfect when you're playing with your work leagues, you know, guys that don't want to create little, what, what we just talked about earlier before we started recording, like guys that don't really care as much. You can draft three receivers and still get plenty of running backs later on. When you're playing with the real deal, you know, when you're playing with people that know what they're doing, you got to get those running backs because wide receivers, like we talked about, there's three of them on the field, two of them on the field, running backs, studs, the unicorns of what fantasy football is the core of fantasy football. There's like seven to 10 that you can actually just completely trust. So, you know, it depends what kind of league in, but you can go both ways as long as you know your opponents. And yeah, think about this. We have a guy in our league that is literally the example of this, right? Because Shashot just mentioned that our league is so conscious about running backs. Nidhershan usually always drafts receivers. He literally, his first two picks, yeah, for he, the most part, always, always like stud receivers. And he's got, he, you look at his receivers after the draft and you're like, holy shit, they are so stacked. And then he has guys starting like, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt, who's a backup, right? Like yeah. it, Kareem Hunt Absolutely. and like Duke Johnson in, in like past year. So it's, it's one of those things where he was obviously not aware of the fact that he's playing around a, an entire league of guys that are running back conscious. And that worked to all of our running back conscious selves favors because Nidhershan's a guy that just loves targeting receivers. And I think he's made like the semifinals two or three times in the last like four or yeah, five but, years, but he always falls short. He always falls th short. That's the thing. It's like, you can win with that strategy, right? But I would rather be have a consistently making the finals or making the playoffs strategy rather than going all in on receivers and then hoping the running backs work out. I'm not big on hoping. Okay. This is all just calculated. How are my players going to add up to hundred points? Like that's the way I look at it. And Nidharson's strategy worked out one year. He won the league, right? But that's did one he? year he did, right? Did he not win that year? He won and then, and then Sean won. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he won and then Sean won. Uh, uh, Ishan won right after that. And then now... Uh, Ayush? So we got uh, three won. years in a row of new winners? Is that not... Maybe, maybe You might not. be right, dude. My memory's awful. But, I'm not the best. No, that's okay. That's okay. But um, th what I'm trying to get at is it works, right? It works, but um, you'd rather, you would rather be consistent than go with a, like a you know, random choice. It's up to you. That's why this is the, this is like one of the most beautiful things every year is like, there's so many choices you can make and you don't have to listen to anybody. You just got to go with your gut. I never listened to anybody every single year that I just kept drafting to Sean Jackson, even though he just kept letting me down the year before I just had, I was like, you know what? This is the year six years in a row. This is never the year, but you know, that's my own fault. I had some weird emotional attachment to Deshaun Jackson and I just drafted him every year. So again, it is your choice, but what we're trying to save you is from your own emotional decisions, because it's with anything in life. If you let your emotions dictate your decision-making a lot of times they're going to cloud your judgment a lot of times. Um, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, but that does take me right to my next topic on what to do during a draft. There is no such thing as loyalty. There is no such thing as emotions. That shit goes out the door. You want to rip somebody off in a trade? Do it. There are no rules. This is just one man versus 
eight other, 10 other, 11 other, whatever your league is set up as. It's just mano y mano. You win your league. That's, that's it. It's, you don't look at anything else. I love you. I love you all, but I'm going to kill you when it matters. Right? Like that's, that's the, that's the mentality you got to go with. Killer There's no killer, such man. thing as, there is no such thing as loyalty. You, we've all learned this from Kobe Bryant. You know, like when you're on the court, it's Mamba time. It is not about, Oh, I'm sorry. Did I bruise you? Like, let me shake your hand. Fuck that shit. I'll shake your hand before the game start. I'll shake your hands after the game's end, but we are not going to do any of that. Okay. So that is, um, you know, when you, if you have to send trades and there's other people in the league are like, Oh, you're trying to lowball them. No dog. I'm just trying to get the best bang for my buck. Like if you guys want to veto it, go ahead, but I'm going to send that trade. I'm going to do it. Cause there's a slight chance it can get accepted and I could win. So, you know, I, I never, I, I don't get that. You know, like we give Riaz a lot of shit and everything, but the man's just trying to do it. We just don't let he's him do hustling, it. He's just hustling, man. I respect he's the just hustling. hustling. He's just waiting I do for somebody too. to be like, you know what? I'm so annoyed with all these trades. I'm just going to accept Let's one. I need change on my team. I need change right. on my team. Right. So hand in hand with loyalty, it's not just with the other people you're playing against. It's also your favorite team. Do not just draft your favorite team, guys, because mm-hmm. you like to see them succeed. I mean, son, this literally everybody everybody the last time i had a viking on my team i don't even remember adam thielen because i got great value in like the fifth round or some shit um but yeah there's no loyalty there's zero loyalty if you get sucked into the loyalty okay imagine this really quickly there's like 10 factors right uh, that will lead you to success there's like 10 factors one of them is just not having loyalty towards your own team like you can be as loyal as you want when you watch the games. But when it comes to you winning personally, this is not, you know, they don't know you exist. You don't, you only, you know, they exist. There's no need for loyalty when it comes to your own benefit on your screen. So do not get tied down with wanting to see Najee Harris win. Do not get tied down with wanting to see Justin Jefferson win unless you draft the number one overall, which a lot of people are doing lately. So, you know, that's it rant over, but that's one of my biggest rants. That's one of my biggest pieces of advice I can give anybody the emotional attachment to your favorite team versus the emotional attachment you should have for your personal team need to be in separate rooms. Those are things like emotional attachment can be something that benefits you as well, right? Like if you know something about, like the Cowboys have a lot of receiving situation, like um, injuries going on right now. But if you know like a wide receiver three or wide receiver two that may be on up and coming for your team, like getting them later down the line, that could be good. But like getting um zeke in the first round because you really like zeke uh when when you got like the number three pick or something yeah like, that's probably crazy no yeah Th- that those are the people i'm talking about because like yeah. i i already assume i know the stuff the other people know about their up-and-coming players right like that's that's why we do this that's why that's the whole point behind this podcast is to tell people how to actually play properly you know so you got to know the third string wide receivers you got to know the backup to dalvin cook you got to know the basics so if you're loyal to your own team knowing you know like you know, oh, wow, Drake London's doing pretty great. He might be a wide receiver too. Let's try to draft him a little bit earlier than everybody else. Like those things I understand, but what I'm aiming at are those Zeke guys that draft him number three or number two and the guys that draft Dalvin Cook at number three because they're a Vikings fan, things like that. I agree with everything. <laughs> I think I've had more Viking players than you guys have had total. Hey, I had Justin uh, Jefferson much. in my other league last year and boy, was that a joy to have. Yeah. yeah. No, Dalvin when it Cook. works out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, IDP, ADP wise, if it falls, if it falls to you, but you know, I again, th- last year I made a trade which was every, everybody thought was really stupid early in the season, and I was the one that ended up like being like fuck you because I made the finals, but I still lost. Um, I traded Stefan Diggs away like week four or five, and I got Justin Jefferson, and at that point, 
Diggs was like what top five top like he was first round pick and Jefferson yeah. I don't think was last year um and again I think Jefferson like the first two weeks didn't even play much because it was Mike Zimmer and all this crap so you know that was an example show of it of being like oh that sometimes your emotionalness works to your favor because you know your favorite team better than like a bunch of casuals right and so um that's why that I think that ended up was one of the rare instances where that did end up working out in my favor so um it can happen but like you said it's all playing the probability and statistics and the probability are that it's not going to happen more than it probably is going to happen. Which leads me to my third tip. All of these pre-draft rankings are all analytics. They're all probability. They're all analytics, right? Watching baseball has taught me one thing. It's that I love analytics. Analytics is a great, you know, like, uh, aside to your main dish of football, like, you know, like the, the, the mashed potatoes to your Turkey, if you will. Um, but, analytics do not tell the whole story, right? So a lot of times analytics are just using numbers to determine a probable outcome, right? So it does not take into account, like, let me give you an example. It doesn't take into account the fact that a guy has, you know, has a a hit in three straight games of baseball, right? So he's on a little bit of a heater, but analytics don't tell you that because he could be three for his last 60 because the last 57 at-bats before that, he didn't get a single hit. So analytics are telling you he's three for 60, but you're just telling yourself, hey, he's got a hit in his last three games. So maybe he's turned that corner, but the analytics don't tell you he might turn that corner. That is just your hunch based on the last three games, right? So relaying that same thing to football, a lot of times these pre-draft rankings are just based on that analytics, probability, all the numbers that they want to crunch together, but they have nothing to do with factoring in like, hey, you know what? I saw... KJ Osborne in a lot of our practice, you know, our joint practices and not even preseason games do really fucking well to where he looks like he has a wide receiver two upside, but he's being projected as a wide receiver three, a flex, or maybe even a depth bench piece. If you need to reach for a guy that you have a good hunch on, but he's not ranked where, you know, you have to like scroll through the bar to get that guy. I have done that so many times and that's worked to my favor. So do not let next player available be the reason that you're like, you know what? This guy's here. It's going to seem stupid if I like scroll down and get a guy that's not even on the screen yet. If that's what you want to take and you have a solid sound reason why you want to do that, you should absolutely do that. But you just have to trust that you did the work and the research and you understand the process. If it's again, just an emotional hunch, then you never know how that's going to turn out in the long run. But again, I do this all the time where I don't care who's on this list. If I have a player that I want to get and I know that I'm drafting first. So after I get those, the, the snake pick and I don't pick forever and I know he's not going to be there. If I need to reach and scroll down and get him, I'm going to absolutely get him. Bro. Call me Jack. Cause I'm a reacher. It just, it just, it gives me, it gives me excitement to see that screen and be like, these people got paid to list these dumb people, these terrible players ahead of the player that I'm about to pick up right now. Yep. It just gives me that extra joy. Yeah. Just don't, just don't let those pre-draft rankings cloud your judgment, man. If you, if you have a strategy and you want to go in and you want to get a player and you're like, you know what, he's not on this screen. I can probably wait for him next round. Well, there's going to be somebody else that was thinking smartly, just like you were before you decided not to take that player. And they're going to take that player. So they're not going to be there. Nice. That goes really well into what my thing was, which is basically to do your homework. Um, And like, and you should really log in an hour before you draft and have all of the queue ready for you to pick up and like your targets of who you want to get um for and for example like Julio Jones is someone that's like really down on the list so if you just look at your if you just get tunnel vision and what's on ESPN or CBS whatever you use and you're only going to see the top 20 players and there's not you're just going to miss out on some opportunities so just have your queue ready get a whole list going and then make sure to keep an eye on that and make sure you know that 
when when those players go away, and then you'll go on the next line in queue uh, and so forth. So just do your homework and get your queues ready. I like that. I've never actually logged in and queued up all the players I like, but you know what? This year, I'm just going to follow your <laughs> advice and I'm going to log in an hour early and literally queue up every single player that I want. And I'm just going to have to keep hearing that stupid ass guy be like, oh, well, what does he say when like you queue yeah. somebody and he gets yeah. taken? Oh, I don't yeah, know, but I'm good. that guy, that guy's voice. Something, yeah. I'm going to learn how to mimic that guy's voice perfectly because I'm going to hear it so often this year. Yeah, that, that's solid. I, I actually do the queue, but I do it during the, um, during the draft because right after you draft, it's like queue time. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I just got off work, saw a lot of little babies with diarrhea. Just because they have the runs does not mean you need to have the runs, okay? People are going to draft players later. They're going to draft the kicker early, and then the next guy's going to start panicking and be like, fuck. Is it time to draft the kicker? Am I messing up? Is it? Is that what we're doing, guys? Are we Are we just all going to draft kickers now? No. You're not going to draft the defense early. You're not going to draft the kicker. You don't even have to draft the quarterback anywhere near where other people are drafting. You don't need to draft the tight end. Forget those positions even exist. These runs, man, the amount of good teams that draft for until like the 10th round, and you're like, man, this guy's got a solid team. I'm scrolling down. Oh, my God, solid team, solid team. 10th round, everybody's got diarrhea. Everybody's got the runs. It's just like... Oh yeah, I guess it's quarterback time. I got to open slot at quarterback. I guess I no man, don't be that guy. Listen to this advice. Do not fall for those runs. Those are gonna kill your league. Those are gonna kill your season. Just take just take my word for it. It's very very important because you want to do this. Like Sweetheart said, like Shovit said, you do your homework. You set things up earlier. You did all this for us. Like we do this all the time. We do podcasts over this. We know what we're talking about. We research this stuff. I'm not going to have this problem, but I know a lot of people in a lot of leagues are going to have this problem where the anxiety just takes over. Do not let the anxiety take over. Maybe take a shot, whatever you have to do. Do not look at the guy who's drafting before you and just start panicking. Turn the panic button off and do what you know you're doing. If you do three or four mock drafts, even one or two mock drafts, it'll give you confidence to know where things are happening. Do not start panicking at these runs, please. Yeah, I got the runs right now, so we need to hurry up. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just kidding i don't have the runs but no dude you're absolutely right i think i think kicker and defense is like the best example of that because if like somebody takes justin tucker in the 12th round all of a sudden someone's gonna be like oh shit i need to start taking kickers and then harrison bucker and evan mcpherson start going in yeah. you know, like I, I don't i don't know where you guys stand on the whole kicker thing like i think there are like maybe two maybe three max kickers that deserve to get drafted in the 14th round versus the 15th round um, just because I think, you know, like getting a kicker that, you know, is never going to get you zero points, I think is pretty important because again, yeah. there's such a crapshoot to kickers at times and especially defenses too, right? We got defenses getting negative points. So you have to worry about all of those things. So I think, you know, unless you're getting from a defense or kicker perspective, like the top three, maybe at both position, then it does really just become like a matchup situation who they're playing all that stuff. So, uh, I'm with you. Like, I wouldn't even fret, and I don't know if our league allows you to do it. Some leagues may not because they just say, like, yeah. you need that position well, to draft. ESPN doesn't allow it. Okay. But other well, Yahoo allows it. Yeah, so they're a little, like, behind the eight ball. ESPN should open that and allow you to not draft a position on purpose if you so choose not to do so because, again, defense is just wasting up a draft spot. If you didn't get the top, like, three defenses, you're probably going to be streaming defenses all year. So that defense is going to be on your – you know, on your team for maybe one week and then sitting on your bench or getting cut for another defense. So I think it's really, really important to understand that exactly that, like not getting the runs, because again, it's not like the first guy in the 15th round gets a defense. And that means like all 10 teams should get a defense because 
like team seven through 10 or six through 10's defense may not even work out the first week. They're just drafting them based on their ADP. They have no idea who they're even playing week one. Nobody's looking at that. I promise you, nobody's looking at that. They're just looking at the ranking of where that defense is ranked. And they're like, oh shit, I need to get the six best defense real quick because I have no defense. So yes, Shoshot, to put it lightly, do not fall for the fucking runs. Yeah, and on that note, uh, the Broncos are playing the Seahawks week one. So do what you want with that information. Broncos country. Yeah. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. <laughs> most most Broncos country. energetic. Let's ride. Let's ride. Hey, can, can, can we all three of us just do that in different different pitches so we can make that the intro to this? Uh, we can oh, call it, we can God. use that as an intro. Only playbook. Good. Only playbook. Let's ride. <laughs> playbook country. Oh, no. Only playbook. Let's, Let's ride. Read. Let's ride. <laughs> <laughs> Let's read. Okay. Um, all right. What was that? All, was that all three tips? I'm, I'm losing. Yeah, I think I got three out. Did you guys get three out? Yeah, yep. yeah, I got three out. So, do you have any other extra tips before we jump into? Uh, uh, we hit we. My one, my is actually a proponent of being a streaming defense. That was one of my things. Uh, I I will never draft a uh, defense because uh, we're this is a passing league now. This is an offensive league. Back then, like even five six years ago, you could bank on the Ravens. You could bank on this. You can bank on. There is no banking anymore. There's like maybe one banking and. You won't know that until five weeks into the league, into the into the season. So uh, I just I, I don't mess with that. I, I I am fully. It makes me happy because it gives you an extra oomph. You know, like if you have a solid team lined up for the week, you can. A lot of people are happy. They're like, oh, but it's the same team. I'm a little. I get a little sad if I have to start the same team every week because I'm like, I don't get to use my fantasy football fun time. You know, like the changing the lineup. So I guess I'm just like a fantasy nerd when it comes to that. I actually enjoy streaming defenses because I can look at, you know, eight other defenses on the uh, waiver wire and kind of like use some more analysis to figure out who has the best chance of being good. So I kind of I enjoy that. So for that reason, I actually I prefer streaming defenses. Um, so yeah, that was going to be one of my tips, but that's not for everybody. Let's not get it twisted. I I, I wouldn't take the special expect, talent to be able to stream defense. Yeah, not even special, above average, barely. But but an average person who's just playing this fantasy football because they want to have some brewskis with the boys during draft time, not recommended. Yeah, they're probably going to draft one defense and play them all season and have like five six weeks where they get negative points. But that's right. just the right. situation. Well, if that's the case. Draft your Bills defense in the thirteenth round. <laughs> yeah, just... yeah, exactly. Take it. Yeah, if you're that guy, then you reach. That's exactly what you yeah. do. Sometimes I reach for Justin Tucker just because I don't want to have to pick up another kicker because the like it's the it's yeah. not the Deshaun Jackson, but it's like the emotional attachment where I'm like, dude, if you have Justin Tucker on your team, you're never going to need to look for another kicker. So it's just like you know, it's yeah. one of those things, but. Um, okay. So those are the tips. Now let's jump over to one player from each of us that we think is going to help you win your fantasy football league this year. I'll kick things off here, guys. Let's, let's do this a little round Robin style shove it. So we talked, you talked about the whole wide receiver strategies and getting the, getting the running backs later and all this stuff. So let's say you deploy the running back strategy where, you know, if you're in a league that starts two running backs or three running backs or two running backs in a flex, and you have three running backs, um, and you're looking for, you know, solid number one receivers to still be productive and, and help you. There is a guy who catches footballs from one of, from the the best quarterback in the NFL. Who's the best quarterback in the NFL? Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes. False. <laughs> Correct. Pa- you said, Patrick you said... Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. Who is Patrick Mahomes' number one receiver? Travis we Kelsey doesn't count. I said receiver. We don't know. We don't know. Well, Juju, most likely. Most likely Juju, right? Most likely Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster 
is being drafted in the eighth round as a number as a number one receiver on the depth chart for the best quarterback in all of football that throws for close to 50 touchdowns a year, close to 5,000 yards a year, and he lost Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey's a year older. Juju Smith-Schuster is still only 25 years old. He's been healthy two full seasons out of the five seasons he's played. The two full seasons he was healthy, Big Ben, with Big Ben, he had 111 catches and he had 97 catches, right? So those are, that's like PPR machine, not to mention seven touchdowns and nine touchdowns in those years. And he's still only 25 years old, right? So I don't know why we have this perception of Juju. Like I get when Antonio Brown was there and all this, and we knew Juju was going to be like the number two and he was a great number two, but he is now the number one for a quarterback that is better than the quarterback that he was a number two for, for a quarterback that improvises, for a quarterback that does things that normal quarterbacks do not do, right? So Mm -hmm. why is Juju Smith-Schuster falling into the eighth round as a number one receiver on the scariest quarterback's team, like the scariest quarterback's offense in all of football? There is no reason for it. We are clouded by the judgment of Juju Smith-Schuster being hurt. Juju Smith-Schuster doing TikToks, Juju Smith-Schuster playing for the Steelers, for Big Ben, who had a noodle arm the last couple of seasons, Juju Smith-Schuster, who had been hurt a couple of years. We don't draft based on injuries. Obviously, if somebody has a reoccurring, the same injury, and like that's, you know, that's apparent, then sure, use that to factor things in. But like we talk about guys like CMC, we're not going to factor in the fact that he's gotten hurt two or three times, even though they've been different injuries. And it doesn't mean that he's injury prone because it's not the same injury. It's just bad luck, right? That's what a lot of times injuries are. They're just bad luck. So if we're drafting based on putting injuries aside, Juju Smith-Schuster deserves to go a lot higher than in the eighth round, eighth pick, almost the ninth round for the number one receiver for Patrick Mahomes. So I refuse to believe that Mahomes is going to be productive. I refuse to believe that, you know, Sky Moore is going to come in there and catch 100 balls his rookie season. I refuse to believe that uh, Mecole Hardman all of a sudden is going to step up and be the Tyreek Hill. So all of that leads me to believe that there is one guy who's going to be the biggest benefactor of being on this new team and them losing Tyreek Hill, and that is Juju. So if you're getting Juju Smith-Schuster, a number one receiver, and if you get him in the eighth round, chances are if you drafted well, he could be like the third receiver on your team, maybe even the fourth, like the first guy on your bench. I think he is a 2022 league winner. So if Juju Smith-Schuster is there, I think you should take him. Perfect analysis. I completely agree. This is a team that's going to be winning most games. So I think people are kind of shy from, you know, jumping into a receiver, but they don't care. This is the Chiefs we're talking about, guys. This is not a normal team. Once they take the lead, they start running the ball. The Chiefs have played, the Chiefs have played many games where they run like less than eight times. You know, it's just, this is not a running team. Uh, they have a bunch of running backs, but uh, you know, I, I just, it's Patrick Mahomes. This is a million dollar arm. Like they're going to throw the ball. He's going to have chemistry with Juju. Juju's had chemistry with his prior quarterbacks. You know, he's established himself. Um, the only slight concern is these other wide receivers that are just so ambiguous, but let's be honest. MVS is not winning any wide receiver no. one jobs. We like there, there's fantasy analysts right now talking about MVS taking over, bro. Do you watch football? Do you see his hands? I don't care how fast he is. I don't care how open he is. You have to be able to catch the fucking ball. Yeah. The upside, the the ceiling has been just firmly placed. The ceiling does, it exists for MVS. He's not going to be a wide receiver one. Maybe through touchdowns, he could get a good good amount of touchdowns, but consistency is just not something you want to bank on. Juju can go down the middle. He can go deep. He's a reliable target. Uh, He's big. You know, in in many situations, he is going to be the target that Patrick Mahomes is going to choose. So I, I love this. I love this choice. Solid. All right. 
So uh, my league winner for this year is going to be quarterback Justin Fields, who's listed as QB 17 on Fantasy Pros. He's a guy that you could he still can do run with his feet and, and get you those rushing yards you uh, are that are highly like sought out from a quarterback standpoint. And just the fact that the value for me is why he's a league winner, right? He, if you get him in like the 13th or 14th round, uh, all the quarterbacks that are like, you know, outside of Herbert and Brady, those they're all gone. And, and this guy that you've already solidified your roster, you get a guy like Justin Fields, and uh, if he performs to uh, his abilities and and um, is able to be more successful than he was last year, I think that this guy, then you're, you're looking pretty uh, strong. He's, he, I think he could be like a Jalen Hurts was last year uh, for this year. Yeah, I, I like that. It's a new uh, offensive scheme, uh, new head coach, a lot of newness around there. They're going to be losing a lot of games. So that, you know, it just means throwing. And you would think after a year of experience with – the worst situations he has enough film to go over what went wrong what to fix he's got the arm he's got the running ability to give you that Jalen Hurts type of uh you know 10 point floor um there's a lot to like here and I like that he if you do if you want to go with the no quarterback strategy late in the rounds um I, I don't see why he would be better than he was last year yeah I, I like I like where your head's at with this just in the sense that this allows you to not draft a quarterback in like the first 10 11 rounds which means you are just like stacking your team with positional players you know and and you're going to be ready for bye weeks you're going to be ready for injuries you're going to be ready for just about everything and you still like you said have a quarterback that has upside to be a top five top 10 fantasy quarterback because again he's got the running and and not every I know we've got more quarterbacks now in the NFL that have that but they're still really good quarterbacks like Tom Brady who don't have a single aspect of running to their game right so at some point these these yes Tom Brady's always going to be a better quarterback than Justin Fields but is there a world where Justin Fields is a better fantasy quarterback than Tom Brady I really think so I really really think so so um it's definitely one of those high risk high reward type draft picks but I think if you are waiting around for a guy like Justin Fields, you can also, you know, maybe draft another quarterback or you'll have somebody like a Derek Carr or maybe even a Kirk Cousins uh, on the waiver wire to pick up if like three weeks go by and Justin Fields is just absolutely shitting to bed. So, yes, you play fantasy football to win. This is a really, really like I'm going balls deep and going all in to try to win the league type of strategy. But I completely respect it because, again, if you even get like that half of the upside of what Justin Fields can be. He, you're looking, like you said, at a 10-point floor, and with his rushing alone, he should be getting you 15-plus points. Okay. Um, so I kind of went a little bit of a dichotomy situation. So I have two players, okay? Um, and I think they both play perfectly um, depending on which situation you want to choose. This is kind of like choose your adventure game. Do you want to go this way or do you want to go that way? They're both, I think, great, but it depends on your strategy, right? So first off, on the lower end, I have Chris Olave, okay? He's got a lot of competition for targets, I understand. But we're talking about wide receivers that are seven years older than him. We're talking about competition with Jarvis Landry, who can't stay healthy. We're talking about Michael Thomas, who can't stay healthy. So, and his ADP, bro, his ADP, he's going like 159th overall. He's going 67th wide receiver off the board. These are numbers you can not even worry about till later rounds and just jump up two rounds and just grab them. I'm looking at like, you know, I'm on Ray St. Brown situation here. I'm looking at nothing. You're going to start early. You're going to let other players talk shit to you and be like, oh, you drafted Olave. Look what he's done through week nine. You're just going to stay silent because you're going to let them, you're going to unleash them when all these other stud wide receivers sit 
you know when the playoffs are starting and things get a little bit tumultuous, you know who's going to be getting all the reps? Chris Olave. He's stud. He's got nothing but good things talked about him all um, all preseason, all offseason long. He is the most polished wide receiver to come out of the draft. He can run routes better than wide receivers that have been playing in the NFL for 10 years. There's nothing to love about this guy. He plays with now a gunslinger who we think under the assumption he's going to be healthy. He's going to get targets taken away by Kamara, but that's also a good thing because now the, the linebackers are all focused on Kamara. And what does a really, really good route running wide receiver know how to do is play the middle of the field. So if Kamara draws the attention from the linebackers and some of the safeties lower, we're talking a Olave one catch touchdown situations because he's that good. He's that polished. So I think in, on that end of the spectrum, there's nothing to lose here, right? There's nothing to lose here. We're not even talking about the eighth round like the Juju's. We're talking much later. And I think this is just, you know, I, I was thinking of the best possible receiver that can win you a league with little to lose by drafting him at a minuscule rate where he's going 50, 159th overall. There's only 16 rounds, right? So we're talking, you got nothing to lose here. You can just not draft a kicker and get him in some of the leagues, things like that. So I think that is a player I am going to be grabbing in most leagues if I can. On the other end of the spectrum, a well-known player who's been doing well that a lot of people are going to be going after. He is not going to go undrafted. DJ Moore, okay? DJ Moore is the player that nobody wants to marry, but they just want to have a one-night stand with. Like, he's he's one of those players that has the talent, has, you know, has the resume, does not have the touchdowns. Why does he not have the touchdowns? Because he's playing with people like Darnold. He's playing with backup quarterbacks that don't even exist in the league anymore. The man has been treated so poorly at the wide receiver spot that it almost hurts my heart. And it, 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 it makes me sad that I can never draft them because I know the ceiling for touchdowns are never there. Now it's an upgrade. Now we got Baker Mayfield in town. Baker Mayfield is not anything to be you know, praising high about, but he's an upgrade. He's a clear cut upgrade. He's got a rocket arm, extends the field a little bit more. Um, and, you know, having a fully healthy um, CMC, we got LaVishka Chenault taking out some of the lower coverages now because of the whole Swiss army knife. He was also used very poorly in Jacksonville, but can't really blame him as much. That team was just a garbage uh, can of a team. So there's the pieces are there. They have the weapons. They have, um, finally have something that looks good on paper, which I cannot say the Panthers have ever had. It's This is probably the best offensive team since Cam Newton days. And I think DJ Moore is going to flourish. I think that touchdown that was separating him from being one of the best receivers in the league is no more. I think the touchdowns come. And I think people need to understand that he is one of the most elite receivers in the league. And now the numbers are going to show it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll never forget I'll never forget the Chris Olave comparison by Chauvet of Marvin Harrison. So if he's anything like Marvin Harrison, there's no way that Chris Olave for the rest of his career will, will ever have an ADP of 159 after this year. Right. So it's um, not happening. I, dude, I think, yeah. I, I think you're spot on. The guy is an absolute stud. Um, I, I personally wish he would have gone into a situation that would allow him to flourish like without anybody else hindering him yeah. like anybody else like the bears variable. yeah so uh, but but with that being said i think he has the opportunity and dj Moore, 
has been a guy that's been like top 10 wide receiver talent for like three, four years now. But like you said, just the quarterback has never been good for him. So everybody's shy to draft him because it's not that he's not talented. He just reminds me of another Terry McLaurin situation where he's uber talented, but his quarterback is piss poor. So like, he's going to be the guy that you're going to see where, you know, he's the number one on ADP uh, as, as current rankings. And then like six or seven spots have continued to get drafted and he's still sitting there. And you're like, well, why is this guy falling? But it's the same reason he falls every single year because his quarterback is not great. But Baker Mayfield is absolutely the, the, the difference maker. He's kind of on like a redemption tour. We talked about this last time. It's not Baker Mayfield, the number one overall draft pick, all the pressures on you. It's Baker Mayfield, the former number one overall draft pick that's been traded for like a six round draft pick basically is, you know, a lot of the league is deeming like this is the end for him. So he's on a redemption tour. And I think that that adds to the story. Pair that, like you said, with CMC. I think the Panthers' defense is really good. So I am all aboard the Carolina train all the time, obviously, because two of my really good friends are also Panthers fans. But but that aside, I think they have a lot of upside. And so I, I really like both of those players. Um, I hope for your sake I draft them before you do. But, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> for a second, you said when you said the uh, redemption tour, I thought you were talking about, talking about Mitch Trubisky because it seems like very similar, right? The first-round pick. <laughs> Going for redemption tour, but I don't think he'll have a similar fate as Baker Mayfield yeah. does. Baker almost Heisman. Did Baker win the Heisman or was he Heisman yeah. nominee? Yeah, he won, yeah, the, he Heisman won the Heisman and he was like a four-year starter. Mitch Trubisky started like 10 games in college. So, eh, you know, nice yeah. title. <laughs> <laughs> nice little Steeler plug yeah, in Yeah, right nice there. try to plug in the Steeler there, bro. <laughs> I see what you're doing. You should be rooting for Kenny Pickett to win the spot, man. Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Look out for that. That should be fun. Pickett, pick, yeah. Pickett the Pickens. Pickett the Pickens. Pickett the Pickens. Yeah. Oh, I like wow. that. I, I I like that a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody, anything else. I don't have anything else for you guys. I think, uh, I think it's going to be a much more interesting fantasy football year than Pat years past, just because of our involvement with the podcast and everything as a whole. So I'm looking forward to maybe hoping the competition has just, you know, slightly gotten a little bit higher. So I think overall, everybody has slightly gotten a little bit better. So, uh, I'm excited for it. Um, we draft when Sunday. I was thinking we should do like a live draft. That would have been super sick, but um, that's that's gonna be hard to do. I feel like. What do you mean? Oh, you mean in person? No, in person is impossible. We're none of us are in the same place. But what I. What do you mean by like, live drafting? Like we literally are doing this and drafting, or like we're. Like, oh, literally... dude, I I want no part of it. You yeah. guys can do it. <laughs> my eyes are gonna be on that screen. It's gonna it's gonna be boring for the viewers, for at least on my end. But yeah, yeah. that'd be kind of cool if we extended the time a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then the draft would be like three hours long. Yeah, man, drafts are so stressful. I feel like I'm taking a final exam every time I'm like getting like the minute before the draft. Like, you get arms, arms all sweaty, knees weak, you know. Oh man, getting everything. Yeah, no, I think I think it's gonna be a solid, solid ass year. Uh, let's 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 stop with the whole newbies winning the league and just get back to what the league is best known for. It's with the repeating performances, (laughs) repeating champions. So, um, I'm excited for it. If you guys have nothing else, then. We'll wrap things up. Appreciate you guys so much for tuning in to another episode, special episode, Fantasy Football Tips. Uh, Again, support us on all the podcast platforms. If you're listening, if you're watching, you're watching on YouTube. Uh, And again, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Good luck with your Fantasy Football Leagues. Enjoy your long Labor Day weekend. And football will officially be back next week, and we will record our week one preview episode probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. So see you guys.